Hello, and welcome to Brickagium. My name is Brenna Gresco McTiernan. There is a hyphen in there. And I'm going to be your host for this podcast as I discuss some of my own experiences with the strange and unusual and delve into some of the subjects of interest and research I've looked into in attempts to quantify and understand these experiences a little bit better. I'm not an expert on these subjects. Uh, my degrees are in English and history. So while I've researched some of these subjects extensively um, out of personal interest and personal experience, I've done so as a layman. So please, if you are interested in the things I'm talking about, uh, use the information I'm putting forth as a jumping board for your own research into the subject. Some of the things I am discussing may be considered quite blasphemous or off the wall. So please know, um, it is not my intent to convert, convince, or offend anybody. If these subjects interest you, please join. If they don't, I take no offense from you not listening. Um, as always, I want to give a big shout out of thanks to Hilary Zozula for the beautiful art she created for this podcast. Um, if you are interested in commissioning a piece of work from her or supporting her as an artist, please go check her out. Uh, you can find her at Hilary Zozula, Z-O-Z-U-L-A, on Instagram. As I said in the previous podcast, um, I'm not a scientist, guys, at all. But I was raised by two prolific scientists. Uh, my mom studied chemistry and molecular biology, and my dad studied uh, developmental biology and DNA replication. So I have a really deep reverence and respect for science, research, and the empirical method. I also think it's extremely important to keep a critical, open, and objective mind when being presented with uh, new information. Uh, coupled with that, I had a really unique spiritual upbringing. So instead of being raised with one specific faith or religion, I was raised with lots of different faiths, beliefs, and myths from around the world. Um, so. I have a lot of different concepts in my own philosophy of my own life where, you know, the scientific real meets the real woo-woo, but um, that's kind of where I reside in myself. I incorporate aspects of uh, mysticism, paganism and shamanism, and Gnosticism in my own personal philosophies. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about uh, precognitive, or prophetic dreams, some of these occurrences throughout our modern history, um, a little bit into time and quantum physics, and some of the research that's been done into these subjects. I am referencing information for you to look into if you so are interested from Wikipedia, two articles from psychologytoday.com, one by Dr. Dale M. Kushner and one by Dr. Patrick McNamara, a Vice Magazine article titled The Aspirational Science of Predictive Dreaming by Geraldine Crimin, and two books, 
um, one titled Dream Telepathy, co-authored by Drs. Ullman, Krippner, and Vaughn, and a book titled uh, Parallel Universes, The Search for Other Worlds by Dr. Fred Allen Wolf. So let's just get into it. Prophecy is defined as a knowledge of a future event being derived from a divine source, whereas precognition is a foreknowledge of a future event being derived from a paranormal source. So these are very interchangeable terms where one is coming from a spiritual aspect and another is coming from an unknown or unexplained source. <clears throat> In Concepts of Sleep, neurobiology tells us that sleep is a complex neural activity in which the brain stays busy activating and deactivating complicated neurosystems while we're unconscious. While neurobiology has a description of what sleep is in the brain, it tells us almost nothing about what dreams are. In fact, science in and of itself has many different theories about what dreams represent between psychiatry, psychology, and neurology. Some of these popular theories on what dreams are, are that perhaps dreams are a form of memory processing um, in a way of aiding consolidation of learning short-term and long-term memory storage. Dreams could be an extension of waking consciousness, reflecting our experiences in our day-to-day -day conscious lives. Dreams could also be uh, a form of the mind working through difficult, complicated, uh, or unsettling thoughts, emotions, and experiences to achieve a psychological and emotional balance. It could very simply just be the brain responding to biochemical changes and electrical impulses that occur during sleep. Or it could even be a form of consciousness that unites past, present, and future in preparing for a possible future. Dreams in and of themselves have carried a lot of significance uh, for humanity throughout history. Um, the importance of interpreting and understanding dreams is found in the Bible and in the ancient Sumerian poem, the Epic of Gilgamesh. And recently, archaeologists and ethnographers have speculated that artifacts that have been found in caves in southern Europe, bone flutes, whistles and types of drums, along with uh, cave wall paintings, may indicate that our ancient shamanic ancestors went into these caves for ceremonial dream or trance-like retreats. My experience with prophetic or precognitive dreams has really varied throughout my life. I've had multiple occurrences with it. Some of them have been very mundane and personal, and a few of them have been disturbingly large. <laughs> um, I'm going to describe one of the disturbingly large ones to you. In the case of most of these dreams, the only consistency that I can say between them is that they feel different than normal dreams. They have a different weight to them. Uh, I, ca I can't explain it other than that. That's a consistency between them. Uh, in late February 2010, I had one of these dreams. And in it, I found myself in an unfamiliar townhouse or apartment. I remember thinking townhouse. 
And I remember the feeling that I was really, really far away from Pittsburgh, which is where I resided for the past 15 years of my life. Um, in the dream, I was also aware that there was some sort of natural catastrophe that was taking place. Now, I was raised up and down the eastern seaboard of the United States. So I've literally been through floods, hurricanes, and blizzards. And in all of those contexts, I have learned that while you can live a really long time without food, you cannot survive very long without fresh water. So in the dream, I went over to the kitchen sink and turned on the faucets to try to fill the sink with water. But as soon as I did, toxic steam started coming out. So I immediately turned it off um, and was very disturbed and befuddled by the occurrence. And I remember looking to my left and on the counter of the kitchen uh, was three gallons of milk that were curdling, which was an odd symbol because I don't really drink milk. I mean, I put cream in my coffee, but I very rarely have three gallons of milk just hanging out in my house. Um, in my attempts to figure out what was going on, I decided to walk out of the townhouse and see if I could find anybody. So I walked out of the building and saw that I was in some sort of neighborhood and there was a large group of people standing in the street. It looked like it was almost the end of a cul-de-sac. So I approached the people and I asked them what was going on. And they just said, there's been a natural catastrophe and the nuclear power plant is melting down. And they pointed in the direction of the horizon. And when I looked in the direction, what they were pointing to didn't look like any nuclear power plant I've ever seen in my life. It was these weird cylindrical buildings and rectangular white buildings and like weird radio tower kind of things and piping. And there was just steam coming off of it. So I looked at it for a minute and then I turned back to the people and I was like, that's not a nuclear power plant because I was literally, even in the dream, expecting those very Western dual silos, like the ones in the Simpsons cartoon. But when I turned and said this to them, the people said, no, that's the nuclear power plant and it's melting down. So I woke up from this dream and I wrote it down and I dated it. And I told a couple of my very close friends and family members about it because I've felt it was really disturbing. And it did have that kind of weird feel with other dreams that I've had that have come true. But as the weeks and months passed, uh, it kind of fell from my mind. I mean, I thought about it occasionally, but it was not in the forefront of my mind. Now, on March 11th, 2011, that all kind of changed. I was working in a small bar restaurant and had heard the news that there was an earthquake that had taken place um, and that it had affected Japan pretty badly. In fact, there was a power plant that was compromised in the earthquake. <clears throat> and while I found this information disturbing, I hadn't seen any coverage of it. Uh, the little bar restaurant that I worked on had a lot of televisions, but they were mostly focused on sports. So like ESPN, basketball, golf, etc. So any of the information I was seeing was basically at this little ticker tape at the bottom of the screen. About halfway through my shift, a very close friend of mine texted me and said, you need to come over to my house after you get done with work. So I was like, yeah, no problem. When I got done with my shift and I went over to her house, uh, I walked into her house, I walked into her living room where she had a large screen television with coverage of what was going on. 
And as soon as I walked in, I saw an aerial view of the power plant that was melting down. And I hit the ground like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> like the wind got knocked out of me. I sat there literally shaking and pointing until I could finally get the words out to say, that's the power plant. That's what I saw in my dream. And my friend who was in the room with me was like, yeah, I was watching the coverage and I remembered you talking to me about it and describing it. And it sounded like what you had seen. I thought you needed to come over and see it. Um, to date, I'm not sure what to make of these dreams. Um, I've had multiple occurrences. These are things that I, I, did, I couldn't date when it was going to happen. And some of them happened multiple years before the event has occurred. Um, my personal opinion is that it probably has something to do with the collective human consciousness and some strange wibbly wobbly aspects of time. Uh, but we will get into that as we continue on with uh, the podcast. According to a Psychology Today poll, over 50% of the population has experienced a precognitive dream sometime in their recent life. Some notable cases of people throughout our history who have uh, claimed to have these kind of precognitive dreams are Edgar Cayce, Carl Jung, and even Abraham Lincoln. Edgar Cayce is perhaps the most famous. He was an American self-proclaimed clairvoyant, and he was born in Kentucky in 1877. Casey claimed to be able to answer questions on a variety of topics, including healing, reincarnation, dream interpretation, and future events. He claimed to do so by entering into a self-induced sleep state and stated that uh, in this state, his subconscious mind was able to access and explore a non-physical dream realm where all subconscious minds are timelessly connected. Casey was likely influenced in some of these concepts by his exposure and time spent with the American Theosophical Society, of whom Madame Blavatsky, an interesting character of herself, a Russian occultist, philosopher, and author, was a founding member. Blavatsky, with fellow Theosophical member C.W. Ledbetter, had introduced a term of akasha, a Sanskrit word meaning sky, space, or atmosphere, into the Theosophical Society as a non-physical or astral realm where knowledge of all past, present, and future events was accessible to sensitives, clairvoyants, and psychics. Casey was well known for his predictions and some of his notable clientele included Woodrow Wilson and Thomas Edison. To date, Casey holds one of the largest libraries on psychic and precognitive readings with over 14,000 recorded sessions being stored at the Edgar Casey Library in Virginia Beach, Virginia. J.B. Rhine, a pioneer researcher into extrasensory perception and psychic abilities and head of the Duke University Parapsychology Lab was not particularly impressed by Casey's abilities. He apparently had a reading done by Casey concerning his daughter, which proved significantly inaccurate. Nevertheless, Casey's life and work have served as a major contributing factor towards the spiritualist and holistic health movements still in existence to this day. 
Carl Jung, the famous Swiss psychologist who studied realms of the collective unconscious and dreams himself, suffered both waking and sleeping visions between 1913 and 1914. In these visions, he saw an impending catastrophe of unknown origin that swept over Europe, uh, encasing it in frigid desolation. He saw civilizations in ruin, seas turning to blood, and an unprecedented loss of life. Jung was greatly disturbed by these visions, um, but he believed them to be rooted in a very personal psychosis that he was going through. It was only after the onset and destruction of World War I that he recognized uh, the, the aspects of his visions to be an actual reality. He said later that in, when doing his own personal psychoanalysis of his dreams and visions, that the concept of war uh, and the desolation because of war had definitely not been in the forefront of his mind. Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president in the United States, disclosed to close friends a really disturbing dream he had shortly before his own death. In the dream, he claimed he awoke to the sound of mourning and crying. And in his attempts to figure out where these cries and mourning and grief was coming from, he entered into the East Room of the White House to discover a corpse wrapped in funeral vestments around which were positioned military guards. As the story goes, he approached one of the guards and said, who is dead in the White House? To which the guard replied, the president. He was killed by an assassin. Shortly after disclosing this dream to close friends, Lincoln was in fact assassinated by John Booth. Now, a lot of these occurrences, whether Casey, Jung, or Lincoln, um, they could be explained away in certain, certain contexts. Uh, whether it was Casey or Jung kind of being influenced by the political tone of their nations or news they were reading in the world, um, or in Lincoln's aspect where while John Booth did assassinate him, it was not the first assassination attempt on Lincoln's life. An interesting researcher into the aspect of precognitive dreams is Stanley Krippner. Stanley Krippner is an American psychologist and parapsychologist, and he has studied specifically uh, uh, altered states of consciousness, shamanism, and uh, dreaming. Montague Ullman is a psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, and parapsychologist who has uh, studied aspects of dreams and shared dreaming. In the 1960s, Krippner and Ullman joined forces and conducted scientific research into the phenomena of precognitive dreams in the quote-unquote dream laboratory at the Maimonides uh, Medical Center in Brooklyn, New York. In their experiments, uh, they studied over 100 participants separated into two groups, a sender group and a receiver group. The receiver participant was monitored for rapid eye movement, indicative of dreaming, in one separate room, while the sender was positioned in a completely separate room. Once the receiver had entered into REM sleep, the sender subject would be provided with a random image in which they were uh, told to try to mentally project to the receiver. 
The receiver was often woken and asked to describe the imagery from their dreams. And Ullman and Krippner claimed to find a significant correlation indicative of precognition. Um, although other scientists have attempted to reproduce some of these experiments, uh, it's been inconclusive. Krippner has gone on to do uh, additional research into the subjects. But if you're interested in that, you should definitely check out the book uh, Dream Telepathy that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Um, it could be possible that prophetic or precognitive dreams is explained with aspects of how time or quantum physics works. Um, when talking about Einstein himself, uh, Einstein did not necessarily theorize that uh, time was a dimensionality, but he did incorporate it into some of his own theories. Um, Einstein's theory of special relativity actually led his former professor, a German mathematician named Hermann Minkowski, to devise a formulation that put the three spatial dimensions and one time dimension together, um, basically coming up with Minkowski's theory of, quote, space-time, or time being considered a dimension in and of itself. Patrick McNamara is a neuroscientist and associate professor of neurology at the Boston University School of Medicine, and he is a strong supporter to the validity of precognitive dreams being a reality. Um, in a Psychology Today blog post on the subject, authored by him, um, he states, quote, the reality of precognitive dreams, dreams that contain images of the future, is now settled. They do occur, end quote. He further goes on in his blog to state that while science should maintain a healthy skepticism on the subject of dreams and precognitive dreams, that science should avoid being blinded by scientific denialism or dogmatism when addressing the precognitive dream phenomena. <clears throat> he suggests that perhaps philosophy or physics uh, may be involved in some of these concepts of precognitive dreams. Further in his blog, McNamara says, quote, just as we have spatial parts, we also have temporal parts. Our bodies, ourselves, must be thought of literally, literally projecting into at least a four-dimensional space-time reality, three spatial dimensions and one time dimension. We are space-time worms. Parts of us are in the future, and so we literally perceive that future." End quote. Fred Allen Wolf, a doctor in theoretical physics, describes this concept of space-time worm, which I freaking love as a concept, <laughs> in his book, uh, Parallel Universes and the Search for Other Worlds. He uses an example of a basketball and how if we are looking at a basketball in a three-dimensional spatial reality, it looks like a leather sphere with stitching. However, if we were to look at it from the dimensionality of time, this ball would become stretched out and tube-like in, in all the places that it would exist in the course of the ball existing. Um, these concepts, uh, like time worm concepts, are also referenced going back to Krippner and some of his studies of shamanism and indigenous cultures. And he says in the Vice article, quote, you also have the indigenous North American point of view that people lived in a, quote, long body. They do not end where their skin ends. A person's long body projects and involves other people and other parts of nature. 
So everything is happening all at once. For them, it's no surprise that you can dream about the future. End quote. Wolf goes on in his book, Parallel Universes, to discuss the possibility that quantum physics may describe aspects of precognition phenomena in theories uh, presented um, by physicist John G. Kramer, who is a physicist at the University of Washington, Seattle. Now, <clears throat> I'm not a physicist <laughs> at all, so if you'd like to read the book, I highly suggest it. I'm just going to say that Kramer's theory has something to do with quantum wave function and how these quantum waves interact with one another. Wolf himself kind of simplifies it, if it makes a little bit more sense, in saying in his book, quote... If, you, if one takes Kramer's interpretation seriously, then we have a whole new picture of time in regards to quantum events. Every observation is both the start of a wave propagating towards the future in search of a receiving event, and is itself the receiver of a wave which is propagated towards it from some past observation event. In other words, every observation, Every act of conscious awareness sends both a wave towards the future and a wave towards the past. Both the beginning of the wave and the end appear to begin in our mind, our mind in the future and our mind in the present, end quote. Later in that same chapter, um, Wolf says that this could be taken into context with other possible parallel universes or parallel futures that may come to be um, and says, quote, if there are parallel futures out there, all broadcasting back in time to us, surely there are some people who hear or who see them. Perhaps people who have lucid dreams are able to sense them when nothing else is disturbing their major senses, end quote. So there's a lot of obviously kind of strange theories and research into this subject. Um, perhaps we can describe precognitive or prophetic dreams in terms of quantum theory or time waves, or consciousness, or time as a dimension. Um, these are still subjects that are very, very much up for debate, but there is and has been a lot of uh, research done into these subjects. So they're weird. If you've had your own experiences, whether it's with the previous topic of reincarnation or you know with predictive or precognitive dreams and you wanna talk about it, or if you were an expert on these subjects, God forbid you stumble across my podcast, and you would like to give me additional readings, please feel free to email me. My email is the name of the podcast, Brickagium, B-R-E-K-A-I-G-M, at gmail, and I would love to hear from you. Um, I'm going to really try to get at least two episodes out a month, so I'll be doing the next one, I think, at the beginning of June. And that one, I'm going to try to focus on a little bit more philosophical yet research subjects and talk about uh, some experiences with divine light, um, the concept of light found in many different religions, and a little bit of the research and uh, common experiences that take place in near-death experiences. Thanks for joining me, guys. Stay safe out there.